Welcome to Urban Alchemy Podcast, the number one destination for pop culture, news, and entertainment. I'm Eric Hawthorne. And I'm Jan Banks. And we want to thank y'all once again for listening. First, in order to keep up with us, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share the show. Also, for our Facebook users, search Urban Alchemy on Facebook and join the community. You know, really good back to be in the studio. What have you been up to lately? Man, just trying to do some improvements here in the studio. Got the new microphone. Right. Now we'll be able to have more of a clean, streamlined uh, editing experience for me you don't care about that because you don't have any <laughs> any hand in the editing process but right. it, it's very tedious uh to to try to do these little tricks but you know i'm so happy we were able to do that uh, shout out to everybody uh out there our listeners who are making the show possible uh also big shout out pitch kc uh just special reminder we are now on the pitch network so make sure to update that address if you do have us bookmarked if you are following us on any uh platform i believe that transitioned over over seamlessly so you don't have to worry about updating that but if you have not yet updated our website address i will have that in the episode description so yeah big shout out to them shout out to all of our compatriots on the pitch podcast network uh, downtown dish uh misery loves company streetwise it's just a lot of great shows i'm looking forward to doing some networking with those individuals but i'm so happy to see uh the Kansas city podcast landscape grow because essentially when we started i really didn't know of any local podcasts here in the city and now i know of so many so shout out to uh other individuals like casey info rail uh casey where you at chemology other great black black podcasts out there i also want to do some work within the future so shout out to them uh but yeah that that's pretty much what i've been doing trying to do some upgrades to the studio and try to get us on that professional level well look, it's looking good really proud of you just be proud of us eric well, well, you, you, no. you've been here since literally the day one i know but what i'm saying is you know you basically had a dollar and a dream and you ran with it so you know that's 50 cents 50 cents i had yeah. to borrow that other 50 cents to get to that dollar well i'm just saying as my friend and somebody i've watched grow over the years you know i'm definitely uh proud of you and i just love to watch what you're doing and i love to be a part of it Thanks, man. I appreciate you being here. This is a time commitment, and I understand you have so much going on in your life with all your other endeavors. So I do definitely thank you for making the time out of your schedule to do this little endeavor with me for the past year and a half. So big shout out to you as well. I appreciate it, bro. Uh, You know, I kind of have been thinking a little bit lately about. Uh, you know, we always say that, you know, we envision the podcast as just talking about movie reviews, but it grew into so much more. Uh, but I think what does not get enough attention is black fandom yeah. for, for comic book films. Absolutely. Uh, we need to really pay attention to blacks who enjoy cosplaying, going to the movies and stuff like that. I remember uh my first time really wanting to cosplay was when Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005. Yeah. And just watching the lightsaber fights and everything like that, I just thought that was so cool. But I was like, I'm black though, you know, I don't want anybody to really think that I'm a nerd or anything. But mm-hmm. then later on in life, I really just started to embrace the fact that I was a nerd and that being somebody interested in comic book movies, comic books, anime or anything like that, that was not exclusively something that whites could really partake in. That, you know, there was a whole community of people that looked like me that really enjoyed this stuff. I mean, what is it that draws you to comic book films or comic books in general? 
I would say it's just the creativity. You know, I grew up in the black community in the hood. So a lot of those facets were missing. Just that fantasy facet of life was missing. So to have these escapes was something new and different. And that's what drew me in. And I could remember coming across Dragon Ball for the first time. It ran at some uh, on Saturday on some random time. And I was just like, then that was just so new and different. And the style was so, you know, uh, mature. So I was just drawn to that. And then comic books, my, you know, my older brothers were into comic books. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't have money to buy comic books, right. but somehow we were always experienced. Actually, I can tell you the advent of my comic book uh, fanaticism was blockbuster video. Mm-hmm. had a Mortal Kombat tournament. Actually, it was Mortal Kombat and Donkey Kong. And I won like sixth place in this tournament at Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And they gave me this huge box of, it was just like trading cards. And it was like a few comic books. Uh, one of those was actually Death of Superman and the uh, Rise of the Superman, which was super crazy because I was just like, wow, I've, I've never actually read a comic book before. And that was like my first one I read. And then they, all these cards, it was like 200 cards. And mm-hmm. it was like the character cards so even though i never read comic books i knew about the characters i knew who omega red was i knew who you know all these different marvel characters were and it was just super dope to get introduced to that also then the after that we had the uh tv shows pop up batman the animated series uh, x-men uh spider-man uh just uh the superman adventures it was just like all these different avenues intersecting and it was just like wow this is connected like i didn't realize comic books were so connected like that right that to me is probably where my fascination with comic books started i mean i was really interested in batman the animated series but if people don't know about that when john michael and i were kids this this show came out probably when i was like six or seven years old so you were probably like five or six when this show came on and it was early 90s yeah it was loosely 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 based off the tim burton movies it was kind of set straight noir yeah it was 1920s maybe like old yeah. style cars right. reporters with tommy no, guns pet. yeah 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 and i actually heard a uh read a interesting thing is that's the only way they could feature guns really is if they were like the old timey or like the old shotgun double barrel shotguns right. on tv but now they can't do any of that of course not of course not but you know that transformed into my love for x-men another show that was oh yeah like that's probably hands down the most epic cartoon theme song ever right right and you know it's so memorable and plus that show was adult as well Very just like um, at batman the animated series that was even more. i remember like the love triangle between cyclops and wolverine and gene gray i was just right. like wow this is kind of uncomfortable to watch <laughs> as a kid but right. yeah great stories uh best dark phoenix adaptation to date <laughs> Yeah, and it's been over about 30 years. So and two yeah, adaptations. Right. So that's pretty sad. But my my uh, father really got me interested in like the comic books, like the Uncanny X-Men, because he saw that I had that fascination with uh, those comic books, uh, comic book adaptations. So, I mean, there were a lot of other failed comic book shows, Iron Man, The Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes on and on in the Marvel universe. But back to DC, Batman, the animated series, and then later on, Superman, the animated series. They were And then real- Justice League. And, and then, then Justice, Justice League, League Unlimited. Yes. Static One thing shot. that we can say about DC is they've always been at the pinnacle of animation. Would you agree? 
Absolutely. I've, I've said for years, DC's animation is what they do the best. Like Absolutely. Their filmography and in part in animation is far superior to anything they've ever released live action. I remember as a kid going to the movie theater to watch uh, Batman Sub-Zero mm-hmm. and that just being like an, an epic almost Shakespearean type story and it was so sad (laughs) and I was just like yo this is very deep for a kid to be looking and then Mask of the Phantasm which is one of my favorite but uh, oh my gosh that that story I remember just watching it just like am I okay to watch this (laughs) yeah it's very deep the Joker gets a tooth knocked out right Uh, people die it's just you know it's not on screen but they let you know people are dead right and and phantasm has a cult following now back then it was a box office dud yeah but now people look at it through a new lens and they're like this is cinematic gold absolutely yeah so uh i just think about that we talk about uh what do you feel about a live action mask of the phantasm i would love it actually and i think that the biggest crime that's going to happen and within the next decade is when Mark Hamill passes away and mm, we never got to see that. him do a live action Joker and with the technology available today he should be able to do at least one perform- performance with as the Joker as a clown prince of crime and if that is not done that will be a crime against pop culture and humanity listen to me this is what i'm going to say if you guys do do and this is me talking to dc if you guys do happen to do like a a batman beyond all you have to do is this your opportunity to use old man joker truly yeah yeah that would be excellent him in a straight jacket in arkham asylum talking to old man bruce that's all i need that's it now do you want that to be michael keaton he's talking to or do you want that to be Kevin Conroy. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. They tried to do live action Kevin Conroy in the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths mm-hmm. crossover. It just didn't work. It didn't me. work. He's out. too skinny. He's way too, too skinny. skinny. Yeah. That kind of that kind of fandom, I think, and interest that we have kind of really has transcended into movies, particularly with DCEU. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people are familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm sorry. Important thing I want to pop in before you go into. The- uh, yeah. One thing I also wanted to talk about the DCEU is they were very they, they were probably the first animation outlet to really feature black characters for me uh you had they could have went with hal jordan green lantern they went with john, john stewart. stewart you know they they feature in static shock was its own show with their own universe of black characters and this was so far ahead of the mark of let's black inclusion but let's talk about even before that eartha kit as Catwoman. oh uh, steel um, um, steel yes i mean we're not going to talk about steel we're not going to talk about it but, but it's important to mention because it was like a, a, a little known i only know about once again because i read death of the super or rise of the superman and he mm. was a featured character in there but the, you know to have Shaquille O'Neal take over that role and it's just like hmm that's well, that's crazy and yeah they just featured a lot of black characters and it was just like wow you know I'm seeing a lot of black characters in these animations on the Batman show you know it was just really cool to see then which we always talk about we don't know a Harvey Dent Two-Face is well Harvey Dent in the Batman movie uh, Batman 89 is black played by Billy D. Williams right. but in the animated series he's seen as more maybe a light skinned brother racially ambiguous I'll yes say. he's racially ambiguous and that's the same with Lex Luthor mm-hmm. in uh in Superman, Superman the animated series, series. yeah uh, it, you know there is a black Lex Luthor now yes and the it's Lois Superman and Lois TV yeah I show, heard about I that I loved I was like 
okay, he's from an alternate universe, but he's a Luthor. Right. I love that. Yeah, I, I do. You're right. Absolutely right. There were these racially and like wide lips, mm-hmm. uh, deep, deep tone voice, right. you know, darker skin complexion than everybody else. And it's just like, hmm, that's interesting. Right. Right. Interesting choices. But yeah, I definitely did. Th- I looked at two faces black. I looked at him, especially when I look at it now, I, I'm like, this guy is black. He, at the very least, he's Creole or something like that. So with, uh, with that being said, everybody is primarily familiar with the MCU. Uh, I think that what people are not as familiar with is the DCEU, the DC Extended Universe. And that's because there really has been a lot of studio interference in this. Uh, Marvel Marvel has had a clear vision with Kevin Feige. Uh, now DC has uh, Walter Hamada at the helm. This all started out uh, at the conclusion of The Dark Knight Rises, and that trilogy was uh, directed by Christopher Nolan. So DC pretty much scrambled to put something into place, and that was with uh, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Uh, Later leading on to where we end in 2017 with the Justice League. But this is not the See a Batman v Superman, aka Man of Steel 2. Yeah, that was so rushed. I, I re- like I told you, I rewatched it. Mm-hmm. The, the the director's extended version and I liked it way better. Yeah, I hear that. I've never watched it. I've watched bits and pieces of it. Um but that was in response to Marvel having so much success. Batman v Superman when it should have either been a Batman movie or Man of Steel 2. Yeah, absolutely. Marvel did Iron Man. They did Thor. They did Captain America, the first Avenger. Like they built the universe before they jumped into the big ensemble piece that people were literally waiting years for. Uh, yeah, and you're right. Absolutely right. DC did try to just clamor to get in, build on that relationship people already previously had established with the characters. But these aren't the same characters. These aren't the, uh, Justice League animated series, Batman's, mm-hmm. you know, these are whole new characters you have to set up. So we're just kind of put into the it was very shoehorned. Yeah, very shoehorned. So basically from a Wonder movie, a Batman versus Superman movie and a Man of Steel movie, Justice League is born. Yeah. And that's Justice League 2017. So the original vision is uh, from the director, Zack Snyder. This superhero epic was supposed to be something akin to the Avengers. But he had a departure from the project in post-production in 2017 prior to the film being released. So Warner Brothers brought in Joss Whedon, the architect for the Avengers franchise with Marvel. So the Snyder Cut is a 2021 film, but is the original intent of the 2017 film. Yeah. So it's. A lot of people are not understanding why is this a reboot? What is this exactly? No, this is not necessarily a director's cut or anything of that nature. This is actually what Zack Snyder had put into place prior to Joss Whedon coming in, doing edits, taking out things, adding new things, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's very important to understand the two directors to understand the visions. Uh, Zack Snyder, he's known for uh, big, over-the-top, dramatic pieces, uh, very stylistically dramatic pieces. 
cases like Watchmen and 300 and just those those films that really have that that very distinctive flair to them. Mm-hmm. And then Josh Whedon, he's more so known for his Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Avengers, and they try to pretty much capitalize off of the success of the Avengers thinking he could just recreate the same formula. It was just unfortunate because uh, Zack Snyder had to depart due to the suicide of his daughter. Yep. And it was a very unfortunate situation. And Josh Whedon, you can't do that. It'd be like if we made this show and made 75% of it and then they brought in a whole new two podcasters to edit it, finish the episode. It's not going right. to come out and be one consistent, cohesive story. So that's what happened. And it, it did not work in their favor at all. It was so much backlash. People were just like, it's so cluttered. And we'll go into it. But even like the scene, the most scene I hated the most in the original was the Nightcrawler scene. Because it was just <laughs> like, what is this stupid machine that just comes out of nowhere to climb up a wall? And in the this this Zyder it, it has a purpose. Like it's an actual plot piece. Right. But, you know, I, I once again, I digress. Right. The Snyder Cut 2021 film released on HBO Max stars Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Henry Cavill, Ezra Miller, Ray Fisher. I want to say emphasize Ray Fisher because his part was hacked to the bone. Cut. In the Josh Whedon version. It may look, really makes you ask questions. We'll get to that. We'll Whoa. get to that. Uh, and Jason Momoa. Uh, supporting roles, Amy Adams, Willem Dafoe, who was cut out the movie entirely. Uh, Jeremy Irons, J.K. Simmons. One, and I whittled his role down to right. a rooftop scene. Oh, my right. God. Right. And then... Uh, Kieran Hines is the main protagonist, uh, I mean, antagonist, Steppenwolf. Uh, you may know him from Game of Thrones as Mance Raider, but he actually puts in a compelling performance as Steppenwolf and his motivations are clear and why he's doing what he's doing, right? As opposed to the uh, Joss Whedon cut of the film. That That is completely different character than the Josh Whedon cut. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> right. everything from the facial features to the outfit to his motivation. He tries to, uh, Joss Whedon tries to, to slither in some uh, plot point where he's obsessed with Hippolyta, the queen of the Amazons, and wants mm-hmm. to marry her. Right. It was just like, yo, come on. It's just such a superior character. They turn in this... this yeah, you know, in, in overall, how I would describe this film is I wouldn't say it's darker or grittier, but it, rather a more cohesive and clear vision of the director's original intent for these heroes in the narrative. I mean, this movie is for four hours. It's four hours long. John Michael and I live for this type <laughs> of thing. And I think that we've always wanted longer cuts of film. Absolutely. Various different films across all different genres, not just necessarily any film, any film yeah. we love. We would, yeah. we would watch a six hour film about Absolutely. if there was a six hour, there will be blood. We would watch it or a night crawler just with little details. We didn't right. know we would watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so this could not exist if there was not for a streaming platform such as HBO max. Yes. And, and I think Warner brothers actually has, as you said, a pretty good business model going forward. If they were to actually the first thing I wrote down in my notes, really? Yeah. Real talk. HBO max wins 2021. Hands down, like everything they're releasing because of first of all, they capitalized on COVID so well. They saw movies are movie theaters are closed. These streaming platforms are where it's at. So for them to be like, hey, let's let's not only release dramatic movies like All the Little Things or Judas and the Black Messiah. Let's release these big blockbuster summer summer blockbusters that people aren't going to normally get like Kong versus Godzilla or Mortal Kombat or the Snyder Cut. Right. Movies that okay, Kong versus Godzilla are definitely going to be in the movie theater. Mortal 
Kombat has been in development hell for the past 10 years, mm-hmm. this reboot of Mortal Kombat. And a Snyder Cut probably would have never been made if it wouldn't have been for COVID. Yeah, it wouldn't have been made because the studio simply didn't want to pour more money yes. into it. But there was a lot of fan petitioning for this film, a lot of buzz. Um, they wouldn't have cared about the petition if it wasn't like, we need content. Yeah, said, that's true, too. What's going to be this paycheck? And they definitely capitalized and they, they finally start listening to the fan base, the fandom, and yes. what we wanted. And we heard the show notes of what the Schneider Cup might have been. And we were like, can we get that? Yeah, uh, especially with looking back at the 2017 version of this film, a lot of the film does admittedly share a lot of of the same scenes. Yeah. And Joss Whedon inexplicably changed certain things, I guess, to be lighter in tone in terms of some of the dialogue, the banter. But more Avengery. Yeah, more Avengery. But in the process, they made Batman a fool. And I, I'm not going to say I'd exactly. say the Flash was the fool, but the, Batman well, yeah. was just like the dad character. It was un-Batman. It was yeah. Superman-ish. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I think John Michael and I really wanted to concentrate on is the fact that Ray Fisher as Cyborg was almost nearly cut out of this film. Obsolete. Yes, obsolete. And one of the things that I noticed about the Snyder Cut, black people really are important in this film. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Now that you mention it, they did like cut out a lot of black. I mean, the Flash's love interest, the part, the importance of Cyborg, his father, Henry the- Lennox's character, Henry which Lennox. may- Is that the general? That was the general. And he may have been added in post. No, no, no. He was in Man of Steel. Like this, yes, I, this, I do know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a very, like, as I start watching these movies again, mm-hmm. they've been sprinkling that in for a while and yeah just to find out that they just were like no 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 we don't need that plot line it was just like really i i i texted john michael two hours into the movie i was Mm -hmm. like my mouth just dropped and i was i was so excited to see who you want to do spoilers or not we are going to do spoilers but let's 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 get that at the end but but when i saw Henry Lennox's character, my mouth just completely dropped. And I was so excited. Is Henry Lennox the name of the actor or the name of the character? The actor. Okay. Okay. So... Because he's one of those black people you see, but you don't know his name. True. He's He's a good character actor. Yeah. He's that that light-skinned guy with a deep voice. Right. But, I I mean, just seeing how Ray Fisher was integral into the Snyder version of this film was just amazing. And I was just excited to see it. Um, but basically the, the story begins with, uh, our, our heroes, uh, mourning the death of Superman, some more than others. And then Batman basically realizes that he has to assemble a, a team, a team to fight off a far greater threat than doomsday who presented himself as the villain or the antagonist in um, Batman versus Superman. So he's going around getting this collection of superheroes, unlikely as they would be to join, such as Aquaman, um, Wonder Woman, The Flash, um, who else did he assemble? Oh, Cyborg. It's really an interesting journey that Bruce Wayne has to go to and to find these individuals. And from there, we are met with a threat, but not a great, the greatest threat. But we're given the threat of Steppenwolf, who has come back to retrieve the mother boxes. And the mother boxes are artificial intelligence that can create what the user wants them to create. Like you can change things. Yeah, it's pretty 
pretty much uh, super advanced terraforming technology once right. the three boxes are combined. Yeah, anybody who's familiar with the comic books knows the mother boxes are a huge part of the you know apocalypse mythos. Right. And yeah, it really details the the war that had war took place uh, millennia ago. Right. In an epic war at that. Super epic. I love that. Ba- I, I rewatched that battle scene. And then I watched the original battle scene. Mm-hmm. And then just saw that they, you know, interposed Steppenwolf with uh, Darkseid. Right. Which made the war way more weight to it to yeah. have Darkseid in there. Absolutely. It was just when I saw Darkseid, I was like, oh, my God. This Beating is so cool. ass. Right. Right. And then what I did like about this Zack Snyder version was that Ares was actually like bulked up and cool. Now he still had the ridiculous mustache from Wonder Woman. But just seeing Ares as he should be, the fact that Olympian gods were involved yeah. in this battle made it so much more epic. I maybe want to say a movie about the Olympian gods. It was just like, yeah, these guys are pretty dope. Like Zeus was in there, throwing right. lightning bolts. Artemis was in there with their arrows. It was just like, yeah, these look like badass characters. And this is what should have been. Yeah. And it was just neutered down to. Super neutered. Yeah. And it was just inexplicably less fascinating in the Joss Whedon version. Yeah. I, I don't know what that was all about. But, you know, so basically we're given these great scenes. Cyborg. I want to go back to Cyborg. I know we're talking. That is that that particular scene happens on Themyscira, uh, Wonder Woman's uh, place of origin. Oh, but, if we could talk about that scene, that scene. Okay, let's go back. Let's go because it's such a brutal scene. First of all, I love Wonder Woman scenes. Like just something about their costume design mm-hmm. and their fighting styles. It looks very good when they do it. And just compared to the original, that I love that chase scene mm-hmm. in the Schneider cut. It's way more brutal. Like you, you feel for the like you feel the loss more because it's like you see this woman seeing her compatriots getting killed like that's one thing I will say about the Josh Whedon cut it was nerfed down like they really wanted not make anything too bloody yeah but this was had to be an epic battle it had to be yeah and the Zack Snyder cut opens with Superman with this huge gash across his chest so you know like he doesn't care about the blood yeah that Themyscira scene was so almost frightening it was and then they had that epic chase scene on the horses where like he's just cutting them down one by one while they're trying to protect this box. I, I love that scene. And then they cave in the whole temple. It's a temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just such an epic scene. And it really sets up the threat Steppenwolf is. Yeah, but later on in the film, you realize why Steppenwolf is so intent on getting this box. Like the chase scene, uh, looking back at it, was like, Steppenwolf's last grasp for good grace with Darkseid. And it was just a great opening to a film. It was a very good opening. Okay, yeah. So pretty much he he goes to uh this like Norwegian, maybe Finland. You're talking about Bruce Wayne, right? Yeah, Bruce Wayne, who I don't like with a beard. <laughs> I'm serious. That really bothered me. I was just like, Bruce, yeah, because it kind of took me out. Like Bruce Wayne's supposed to be this like it. it He's just, not the first bearded Bruce Wayne. Christian Bale was. Yeah, you're right. But he was like broken Bruce Wayne. Okay. Okay. This I don't know. I just feel like they didn't let. Uh, in Batman v Superman, they let Ben Affleck be Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he was just like Batman the whole time. That's one of the the small nitpicks I have is like he's they're just talking about him being Batman out in public. And it's just like, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I didn't like that as well. I think 
another thing I didn't like was the fact that the singing. Oh, the choir. Yes, when Aquaman returned to the ocean. That was a. Might be in my notes, actually. Really? That was a small nitpick of mine uh, that I did not like. I was like, okay, this has gone on a little bit too long. Yeah, Aquaman Nordic choir scene. Way too long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, when I think about when when I was watching it, I was like, okay, when is this going to end? I realized that the film is four hours long and you have certain liberties that you're able to take, but that's something that Zach could have tightened up yeah i i just was like oh are they just i understand he does a lot of like uh god imagery mm-hmm. and maybe these people are starting to like worship him so right. they have to like sing hymns to him but i feel like if you're gonna do that do it across the movie like make it evident like these people worship them as gods right. like these are the the new gods because they mm-hmm. they keep talking about the old gods and the new gods and it, it really doesn't make very much sense but i would have liked it if they would have focused on that a bit more but yeah i definitely had that in my notes as well yeah um i think that the net you want to go into like just some of the small things you didn't like about the film yeah uh, small things uh here on my list uh, i can yeah we could definitely get uh okay. wonder woman one-liners i didn't like that mm-hmm. like her one-liners did not hit like the 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 terrorist scene when the in the museum where the little girl's like i want to be you when i grow up and she's like you can be anything you want to be and it's just like Okay. I didn't mind that. I actually like that. There are more one-liners from this woman, but it's just like, I get it. I get it. She's supposed to be this like out of place woman, kind of like Captain America. Like Uh she's not from this time span. So she says things that sound corny. I get that. Uh, The Flash, he was just constantly, nobody's constantly that annoying. I get it. He's supposed to be like super fast and he's supposed to like have a high, you know, ADD almost. Like he keeps going. He doesn't understand interactions with normal people. I get that. But it just became annoying after a certain point. I think the only thing that was really annoying about The Flash was his introduction. I didn't particularly like it. But the dogs? It, yeah. the, whole, the, the scene went on too long. It did. It, uh, it, it felt like a, a bad Quicksilver scene from the X-Men movie. Yeah, it did. And uh, him, okay, so what happens is his love interest basically- Iris West. Iris West pulls off. They, they lock eyes. She- He's in a building. She pulls off down the street. There is an impending accident that comes, hits her vehicle. She is jettisoned from her vehicle. Flash, hurry, goes out to save her. Burns off his shoes. Burns off his shoes. The fact that he is attempting to save her is fine, but the scene goes on a little bit too long where he is admiring her beauty as she is being jettisoned from the car and about to meet her impending death. Kind of creepy. And it's kind of creepy because he caresses her face. And I don't know why... Snyder left that in because it's 2021. I mean, unwanted physical contact. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad I'm not the one who caught that. Yeah. I was really boggled by that. And so, yeah, that, that scene just was not something I enjoyed. What I did enjoy was Ray Fisher. And his character Cyborg's backstory. Oh yeah, it was good. It was good to just see a couple of different things. Him coming from a two parent household. Him in college. Him doing the right thing. You know, Gotham University. Gotham University being super super intelligent. There was a lot of different things that I liked about him. Uh, making him integral to the plot. Super uh, integral. Yes. Core. Yeah. Kind of like in Flashpoint, I thought like how important he is. If you all have seen the uh, DC animated movie, please do. Or Dark Side Apocalypse War. Excellent. Oh, my gosh. It's epic. Yeah. 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 He's just like some guy who can like locate something. So he's 
in the team. But this one, yeah, it really fleshes out his his motivations. Mm-hmm. It it really gives him like you understand why he's with this team. You understand what he's doing here and the importance of his role because he's that connection mm-hmm. built by the technology they need to harness. So it, it's 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 everything about this film. It, you know, overall, I like the film. It's just those little nitpicks that I could just be bitchy about. Right. But I won't because, um, you know, I'm trying to think of uh, anything else that I, I really had a nitpick. Oh, uh, th- I'd say the, the it was a scene where Flash got hit with a, like a, a laser cannon oh towards the end yeah and i was just like i don't understand that because he's moving so fast i don't think a parademon could hit him with a plasma beam yeah me either uh that was another but i understood what what that needed to happen so they could have the you know big scene at the end yeah i think that the only other thing that i had that was really a gripe about the film was the fact that the film almost seems like it ends about four or five different times Oh, yeah. Now, I know that is in the epilogue, but these seem to be, if this was a theatrical release, post credit scenes, mid credit scenes, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, sprinkle, sprinkled in. And the so I just had a small issue with that. Last 20 minutes was the ending. Yeah, that that was very interesting. And I think that That's actually we're planning about one. Okay, but I'm just saying, <laughs> we know that ATT, Warner Brothers, wanted to put this into a miniseries mini type of thing, like uh, with Quentin Tarantino did with the hateful way. Yeah. And that would have been, I think that would have been a better way to present this film. Yeah. It could have been an eight parter. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I, I would have watched it, but I did watch the four hour epic, but because of the writer's guild and actors guild situation, they couldn't do that without mm. compensating the actors and actresses and writers more. And Warner brothers wasn't going to pour any more money into this. Cause this was an additional like 70 to $80 million <laughs> on top of the original budget for the 2017 cut. So they weren't going to pour any money into paying out Ben Affleck, Jason Momoa, Gal Gadot, all these other people that were involved in the film. Uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Lawrence Fishburne. Right. It's just like uh, they have a huge uh, supporting cast as well. Right. Uh, uh, Amy Defoe. Yeah. So <laughs> you mentioned you finished the first. Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, I also, took a break. Yeah. And I told you I was planning on waiting until Friday to watch the movie and I was just like you know what let me just start it like you and probably watch the first half tonight and the first second half tomorrow and I was end up just watching the whole damn thing yeah it doesn't it, it, I mean it's four hours long but it doesn't feel like four hours yeah. maybe around three it feels like three hours there are some parts that lull a little bit a few parts that go on a little bit too long but it never truly feels like four hours but you'll need to take like a 10 20 minute intermission yeah maybe even longer if you, you know, don't want to sit that long but it doesn't feel like a four hour movie yeah because i started before you and then i had to stop and do some errands and then you were still watching and you were just like okay stuff's happening now so i, I yeah it's i'd say more towards the beginning it's kind of just meanders along yeah but um, once it kicks into it i love the interactions mm-hmm. i lo- i sent you that shot that uh the shot of them was just single shot no dialogue mm-hmm. and they're just putting this casket in a, in a hearse and it was just like this is a nice scene like just their facial expressions everybody's just playing their characters without saying anything right yeah i mean what i will say about Zack snyder he's a very visual director as opposed 
opposed to Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon needs a lot of uh, quirky banter back and forth. Mm. And Zack Snyder really is a visual storyteller. So those in, those scenes in that particular scene, especially, you know, is really important to the plot. It gives you a sense of dread, hope, sorrow, all wrapped into to one scene. Once the team is together, they have to try and take down Steppenwolf and yeah. they have to stop him from getting the mother boxes so the mother boxes we got one in atlantis uh one in themiscreer which we already talked about he gets and one and in ray Fish, i mean cyborgs per- possession yeah and uh yeah he pretty much goes to atlantis uh gets that mother box and mm-hmm. then tries to get the other one this film and it wasn't after i really started talking to you about it via text that night it's a huge a lot about parenting those aspects of like even steppenwolf it kind of has like a, a arc where he's trying to like get approval from his superior right someone would get that approval from their parent like mm-hmm. look ma i went to college look I, I got a job like are you happy yet right. have i have i made you proud yet it has that aspect like i was talking about like i like the interactions and then I, it clicked to me like cyborg and, and flash are having interactions because they have father issues mm-hmm. and then you have aquaman and wonder woman interacting because they're both royalty and mm-hmm. because their mothers are both queens and, and then we pointed out like uh batman and superman's their parents are both dead like right. they have no one really right uh besides you know uh their their surrogate uh martha right. kent his surrogate mother and uh alfred, alfred his surrogate father right. so it was just these really interesting bonds in terms of the dynamics of you know who raised you where you came from mm-hmm. what the traumatic experiences is that made you what you were everybody pretty much has traumatic experiences like victor stone had a horrible car accident lost his mother who was his primary caregiver who raised him without his father being absent because he's working all the time right. and he pretty much has to rely on his father to give him life once again mm-hmm. barry allen his dad's in prison for murdering his mom right you know wrongfully accused it's like they have these horrible backstories but they use these as motivations to be heroes mm-hmm. and i love that but i hate they cut that out the josh whedon cut yeah like i said there are a lot of similarities in this film they're like different takes on the scene it almost makes me wonder why they needed to bring henry cavill back for post absolutely right in the uh 2017 version and had to cgi his mustache away because he was contractually obligated to keep it for mission impossible and it just looked horrible and you didn't need it you could have kept the original snyder absolutely version so to me it seems like a lot of it was ego, ego boom yeah boom. ego for joss whedon like ah, i like the scene but let me show I, you the whedon yeah. way <laughs> let me make sure my fingerprints are all on it basically you're right it, it was certain scenes i was watching like why did they have to reshoot this right like why did they have to interpose this weird looking face yeah because it doesn't look natural at all i just can't think of one part that needed to be there with him and mustache face to make sense yeah it was just really weird and very off-putting very off-putting and and they become memeable so it's just a vastly superior film like so new to see a film in its original form and then be able to compare this to this is what the studio thought was going to be a hit yeah but apparently christopher nolan and his wife uh zach snyder's wife came to the conclusion that Zack Snyder could never see the 2017 version of Justice League because Christopher Nolan and his Zack Snyder's wife, excuse me, her name um, escapes me at the moment, but they saw the weed and cut of the film. She's and, a producer. at Yes, WB. she's a producer. Christopher Nolan was a producer on the film as well. And they 
came to agreement Zach could never see that version because it was so adulterated and chopped down and hacked to the bone and just him already going through a lot with the death of his child would have just exasperated that. Yeah, and it wasn't until the end of the film it really hit me again that this was all in regards to his daughter's suicide makes the film in tribute to his daughter's passing at the end, which it really reminds you. And then I guess that's also where one of the maybe the points of parenting come in at Mm -hmm. for him. I don't know. It was it was very sad just having to at the end remember like, yeah, this didn't happen because a tragic event in someone's life. And as much as I would have loved for this to happen, I understand why it didn't. But the conclusion of the film. Uh, Conclusion is they're in Chernobyl with pretty much the big beam in the sky scene where they have to get the mother box or actually they Steppenwolf at this point has the mother box because after the Superman resurrection, he gets the mother box. He has to. Oh, another scene I like is the scene where his dad pulls a Dr. Manhattan, excuse me, Cyborg's dad pulls a Dr. Manhattan and shoots this laser into the box and explodes himself. They told you like he did that so they can track the box. And I really love that just small detail like that his dad made this sacrifice just so they can be able to stop everything yeah they get to chernobyl they do this big fight scene where it's like batman's in the batmobile destroying parademons and mm-hmm. aquaman's flying around the sky with his trident and it's just everybody's getting their moment to you know show how badass they are and pretty much they get to the point where they're whooping steppenwolf's ass superman pops back up he starts showing them how much of a non-factor Steppenwolf is, just beats his ass, breaks his horn off. Mm-hmm. There's a real ass whooping going on. And the fight culminates with uh, Steppenwolf getting his head chopped off and it falling through a boom tube, mm-hmm. which is probably one of my favorite scenes in the in the, in the the movie because you get to see Darkseid sitting at that portal with uh, Assad and Granny Goodness. That's what I love the most, seeing Granny Goodness. I just hate that. Oh, my gosh. She wasn't she gets fully talked. fleshed out yeah. or anything. It's just some actor st- well, actress standing in for her. Probably will never get see grand goodness because that means the furies are going to be on the way the female right. furies i just love that scene where it's like dark side can see the justice league he has a boom tube to the justice league to walk through and you know go to earth but he doesn't it's just like a come at me bro moment like superman's like what's up right they're all sitting there and like then, you know you realize how expendable people are to dark side because he crushes the skull yeah of uh steppenwolf. steppenwolf without hesitation and then he walks away and he's like and this is the cliff the i think the big cliffhanger really he's just like you know forget all that we're going to go another way steppenwolf found the anti-life equation earth that's what we're going to we're going to use the old ways and we're going to go and we're going to retrieve the anti-life equation yeah because anybody who knows about comics dark side is the conqueror he's kind of like thanos in a sense where he goes to planets and just decimates uh yeah dark side has always been one of my favorite comic book villains because he's just so one-sided just so clear-cut just like i want to destroy this planet and be ruled over this planet like a god yeah they did did a great job at uh showing just how dark side doesn't care he just only cares about this one thing this anti-life equation so he can control free will yeah so that's essentially the ending of the movie you know you see our heroes pretty much go their separate ways you know you see what kind of life is briefly like 
after defeating Steppenwolf. And then you have an epilogue. Mm -hmm. Uh, The epilogue, I think, is important. But like I said, it's more like if this was a theatrical release, it would be like the post-credit scene, mid-credit scene. It would be ending scene, if you will. All shot pretty well, I think. The one I was excited to see, of course, was the reprisal of the Joker by Jared Leto. And I it didn't disappoint. Kind of makes me want to see either that version of the Joker going forward or makes me want to see David Ayer's original vision for Jared Leto's Joker. As we know, the studio interfered again with Suicide Squad. So Jared Leto only has 10 minutes in that movie. He was very much maligned for his performance. But once again, there's over an hour of footage of him as a Joker in the air, quote unquote, air cut of that film. So we don't really get to see his character fleshed out. And he just looks kind of annoying and buffoonish in that version. Yeah, absolutely. That that scene was just, it was anticipated. I'd probably say the most anticipated scene people were waiting for in the Justice League Schneider cut. Uh, just to see Jared Leto, who wasn't originally right. intended to be in the film, but people, you know, this Jack Snyder was just like, he deserves a, a, a redemption. Like, he deserves something. Do you think he got that redemption? I do. Mm-hmm. I Just that little clip was just, I watched that probably four times mm-hmm. after I watched it. And I was just like, yeah, this is joke. Like, this, like, it just, everything from his dialogue. That's how I would imagine the Joker would talk to Batman. He would just try to piss him off and, right. you know, bring up things that are painful to him. And, you know, even even his introduction where it's like Mira Aquaman's uh, girlfriend or mm-hmm. cohort was saying to Batman, have you ever lost anyone you've loved? And Joker pops up and it's just like, yes. <laughs> yes, he has. He's <laughs> lost his parents. He's lost his adopted son. And it just goes into uh, the Jason Todd angle where it's just like, yeah, he killed this guy's son for all intents and purposes. Right. Like, and I'm assuming by this time that Alfred is dead as well. I'm assuming everybody's dead at this right. time if you're working with Mira. Right. But no, it, it's a great scene where he just pretty much so much great dialogue. Like I can almost probably read that word for word and just break everything down down and you know he he says that line where he's just like why would you send a boy wonder to do a man's job mm-hmm. and it was just like wow we're really going into it with this little they, they really squeezed everything they could out of that little short scene and it gave us so much history you know he popped up that card and it's just like we have a truce it, everything about that was just so joker to me yeah I, I really like the scene I, I like the fact that Deathstroke made two cameos oh, yeah. and sad that we'll never see Ben Affleck directorial debut DCEU with his vision of Batman because Deathstroke was supposed to be a main antagonist of that film. And I think that would have been completely awesome. And I think Joe, what's his name? Joe Maginello? Joe Maginello. Yeah, Maginello. You got, you got right to it. Okay. More right than me. Okay. Well, he looks like a Deathstroke and I think he really Absolutely. embodies Deathstroke. And I think another thing, Lex Luthor wasn't as annoying as he had been in the no. past. You know, he's a he's a His little clips make more sense. Yeah. So I was excited to see Jesse Eisenberg back as well. I mean, even if it was for literally just like a minute and a half, yeah. I thought that was cool. And once again, Martian Manhunter talking to Bruce Wayne. Man, that was just good to see. I I, I don't I don't I just get joy when I kind of 
just think about that because there, there's not very many black characters in comics that don't fall into the tropes as really the sidekick and stuff like or that. Or the just recreation. Yeah, but Martian Manhunter is so original and just so cool. And the fact they made the general from Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman at, to be the Martian Manhunter the whole time. It's right. very indicative of John Jones' character because, mm-hmm. you know, he was just known to blend in with society. And then just to make that character the whole time, he was the Martian Manhunter. Like, this is the reason he was dealing with, like, the, the Kryptonian. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it, it was just such an amazing callback to see. And then for them to cut that out, it's just like, why? Why would you do that? Right, right. So, in conclusion, my good man, what would you give this if you had to give this a rating? What would you would you give it? Eight out of ten. Same here. Exactly. Eight out of ten. Joss Whedon's version. Joss Whedon's ought to get five. Four, four or five out of ten. I give him a four. Yeah, four or five out of ten. Yeah. Because I also understand it was a job he signed off on midway through the project. So mm-hmm. I'd say five. <laughs> I'm still going to give him a four. four. (laughs) I mean, just seeing the... Well, seeing yeah, how much he did have to work with prior to, I can see why that four would be justified, but as a creative. Okay, I I understand. Yeah, I'd give him a four, but, you know, I would highly recommend watching this. Um, Break it up into two parts. Break it up into... Eight parts. Yeah, (laughs) however you want to do it, take it at 45-minute intervals. Yeah, Uh, that's what people need nowadays. Like, people need these huge chunks of media because we just have such a, a, a lack of things to watch so it's like you could spend a week watching this or you could just spend a night watching it like we did yeah yeah and either way it won't feel like four hours i think that you know we definitely it's not a perfect film but it's a good film and it is a better film than the 2017 cut of the film i loved every aspect of this film way more than you know the original or the intended right weed inversion but yeah i love the character interactions i love the cinematography i love the score everything was great in this movie yeah it was just a great experience that this is probably the one positive thing COVID has brought about <laughs> right yeah but I, it was a good not, film not the stimulus checks no okay the stimulus checks help but it was just like my life is still the same like uh-huh. it's not saving my but Zack snyder blessing us that was this. something that we would never have gotten true at all so i was just thankful i was i'm legitimately thankful because this guy lost his daughter mm-hmm. so i can understand him wanting to take a step away mm-hmm. and just not be able to work on this for but for him to come back and say yo this is something like y'all didn't y'all didn't see like this is something that i had a vision for that y'all got something y'all bullshitting like y'all, y'all acting like this was some bullshit that i had no let me show you what i had mm-hmm. so for him to be able to get that chance is just like yo this is something i'm thankful for like I think of the people, amount of people I've lost since that movie came out. And it's just like, yo, you died thinking Justice League was a piece of shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just crazy to think that we would never have gotten this if not this standstill in media. Yeah, that's true. Something that I definitely enjoyed. And like I said, highly recommend. It's just amazing how this came about. Like, this is not necessarily a director's cut. This is actually a how the director envisioned his movie before somebody else came. Yeah. So this is completely different. If you you had to pick maybe one or two movies in which there was an extended cut where the the director was not given limitations to that movie. And you know for a fact that this there is a version of that movie that exists on the cutting room floor. What two or three movies would you choose? Well, of course, I think we both would agree Dark Knight Rises is Correct. on the list. We would both watch a 10-hour movie. Mm-hmm. If that's what Nolan had. Uh, but that's, I would also say Suicide Squad. 
okay. air, air cut because I would love to see what that was originally intended to be. Hmm. Can't think of third film right now. Okay. Well, for me, of course, we already said Dark Knight Rises, which Christopher Nolan, the reports are that the original cut Fantastic was- Four. Oh, the new Trent one. version. Okay, yeah, because that was reshot and yeah. hacked to the bone yeah. as well. Uh, but the Dark Knight Rises originally, the cut shown to executives was anywhere from four to four and a half hours, cut down to a two hour and 45 minute movie. I would say Revenge of the Sith. Uh, there are a lot of extended scenes in that. And when we see George Lucas go, the fool Lucas, there's, <laughs> you never know what's in store. Um, Gangs of New York. There is a Scorsese cut. And then there is a theat- cut, theatrical cut, which features Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, narration that is not in the Scorsese cut because those scenes are fleshed out. There's no need to bridge it with or explain with exposition with Leo's narration. Yeah, I think that might be it for me. But, you know, of course, I'd be interested in seeing the air cut of Suicide Squad. But those couple movies came to my mind. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely love to see Gangs of New York director Scott. That would be super dope. I would love to see this done more. Yeah, I as well. But yeah, that was an amazing movie. I really enjoyed it. I'm super thankful to HBO Max for being able to give me these cinematic uh, journeys. Right. Because I've been lacking. I love, we love film. So the fact we can't go to movies is kind of like depressing almost. I will agree. So yeah, I love all the little things. Judas and the Black Messiah, Justice League, Snyder Cut. Those have been the few moments I've been able to really make an event of it. Like I like. You know, to sit down with some with some snacks and watch a movie and you know, but I liked it. I, like I said, eight out of ten. I it's a really good movie. I suggest anybody who is a comic book movie and has the time, sit down, watch it. Like it like Eric said, watch it eight intervals if you need to. But it's a great film. I really enjoyed it. Yep. So, you know, once again, we'd like to thank you all for listening. Please continue to support us. Uh, We really appreciate your time to just listen to two guys talk about the things that they love. Got anything else to say, John Mike? Yeah, I'm just once again, thank you all for listening and continue to help us grow this platform. We got some very, very exciting things on the move in the future. So I'm happy I'm able to do this with you guys, as well as my good friend, best friend, line brother, financial advisor, Eric Hawthorne. And music for this episode is brought to us today by a young Kansas City artist goes by the name of Faith. And this is coming off of his new mixtape, Young God. Track is entitled Lucid. I came across this artist very randomly and I actually checked out the mixtape on Spotify and it was super dope. So if you like this music, please check him out. He is doing great things out here in the city and link in the episode description. So yeah, please stay tuned for more artists coming to you guys from the city and around the country through our various connections we have made through the years here at the podcast so be on the lookout for those artists and thank you to all you guys out there who are contributing tracks if you may want to stay up to date with the music that you may hear on this show check out urban alchemy playlists on spotify yeah thank you guys out there and yeah just keep continuing to look forward to what we got planned once again this is urban alchemy podcast i am eric hawthorne and i'm jane banks and thank you so much for listening until next time we'll catch you later peace
but I still kick it. Been going harder on my brag, I'm some hell tickets. Ain't wait no band up, still I go commando like I'm Rambo, I done leveled up. God done gave me bigger shit to handle, I done fell enough. Not that on my ass, I'm my sandals can't make hella tough. When it had a dance with my devils that had held me down. Trying to get my shit together for the longest I feel like I really ain't been getting better I done fell off from a lot of shit Been moving different ways Been trying to find myself again Cause I've been gone for days Been facing what's the catch of feeling But still feel the same Nowadays I just be facing shit to ease my pain Lately the past seven years been flooding in my brain Cause over time my life changed I've been through some things To everyone that held me down Y'all gon' be repaid I'm back up Young guy flexing on my name, whoa. I know some people thought I never rap again, whoa. Like after Black Heart, what more can I say, whoa? I'm making heat, I don't mean to keep out waiting for it, though. This been dealing with like for some shit that's way important, yo. I've been trying to take care of the family, low. Steady's dollar bills, pounds, just and pesos. Long as I got my fam in the squad, then they know that I'ma run this shit until I get my fucking head low. Nah, nah. Right.